Well, I think social conditioning creates a, a jail around your ability <laughs> it to. Sure does. Yeah, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, experience what we have to to survive in society every day, and you know, we're conditioned to live inside that prison. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think some of these vehicles, these plant medicines, have the ability to unlock some of those the, those jail cells <laughs> and let our brain actually, you know experience what it's capable of welcome to living 4d with paul check this episode is part two of paul's conversation with extreme skateboarder danny way danny won the first contest he entered at just 11 years old and has been named thrasher magazine's skater of the year not once but twice he was the first skateboarder to drop into a ramp from a helicopter during which he achieved the world record for biggest air So, hey, we've been deep. Let's go deeper. Let's go. You know, because it takes about seven years for people to finish the education that I built, if they do my PPS Success Mastery Program for Mental Emotional Self-Management, Holistic Lifestyle Coaching, and Check Practitioner Training, which is four years for most people to complete – And what happened is a lot of my students were overwhelmed because they had so many tools. They almost felt paralyzed. Like, I can do assessments all day on people. I can approach a problem with, you know, so many different approaches. Sometimes I'm not sure which is the best one to use. So they, when some very, very intelligent people that I really respect that were students of mine and instructors of mine approached me with this paradox, I meditated and asked my soul to guide me to how to synthesize my teachings into a system that anybody could learn from the entry level all the way to the high level and they just went deeper and deeper but the system was applicable so i came up with or i was given by my soul a process which is now quite famous it's the one two three four approach the one is one love. What do you love enough to live and grow for? Two, there's only two forces that create everything in the universe, yin the feminine, yang the masculine. So where are you out of balance is the question that I teach my students. You have to look yeah. at a person relative to what they choose to accomplish, their dream. Where are they at now and where are they doing too much, excess yang, too little, too yin? So the whole assessment is really looking for what's exaggerated relative to ideal and what's deficient relative to ideal based on that person's objective. So that's step two. Step three is there's only three choices you can make in relation to any person, place, or thing. The optimal, which is the best for you and everybody on your dream team, the suboptimal usually gives you instant gratification but almost always causes problems on your dream team or for your dream. And option three is do nothing which has positive applications. Don't do anything when you need to make a decision and you don't have enough information. Then you just call a timeout and gather information. Don't do anything when you're finding yourself in a discussion that's getting heated and you're feeling more and more disconnected from the person. Call a timeout and say, I'm losing connection with you. I'll come back when I feel I can add something meaningful to the discussion and then walk away. And then the worst option is apathy, which means to not care. And that's actually the opposite of love. People think hate is the opposite of love, but it isn't. Apathy is if you hate someone, you keep them right inside of you all the time. So it's a form it's a low quality form of love to hate someone because you yeah. you carry them around with you. And yeah. as I say, that's drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And then four is the four doctors Doctor Happiness, Doctor Diet, Doctor Movement, and Doctor Quiet. So once I showed my students that no matter who it was you were going to one identify what it was that they wanted to get better for or no matter how good your program is they're not motivated to do it two where are they out of balance three they have choices to make with regard to the values they have to establish with happiness making diet quiet and movement so what i'd like to do with you now that you and i've been buddies for 25 years and seen the inside of the whale and the dragon and everything else. (laughs) Um, Danny, what does love mean to you? What is it? I mean, I think, you know, I think it's the the highest form of energy that exists in this universe. I think, you know, love is, is 
is the driving force behind all life. You know, it's the uh, it's the one thing that we all, I think, you know, that really live for that means something. Yeah. You know, and obviously there's different genres of life experience that give you the opportunity to fulfill that sort of you know connection with love. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that boils down to family and, and, and close relationships. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think for me, it's uh, it's probably the most important, you know, um, you know, thing that I've learned in life is that, you know, if, if that isn't the, the pinnacle of, of all, you know, importance, then nothing else matters. Yeah. Osho says the beauty of love is that it never works. And what he means by that, as long as you expect someone else to make you feel loved, you're always entangled in a codependent relationship and you're never actually free. So what are, if you had to summarize what you've learned about making love work for you, what are some of the lessons that you've carried away that have led you to being a better lover? Uh, I mean, that's a, a constant um, experiment I've been <laughs> going through for quite some time. Um, I'm starting, experiment. I mean, I'm learning lessons of that as we speak. So, yeah. you know, like, you know, it being, you know, as you said, you know, not being dependent on somebody else making you feel loved, but you feeling love for everybody else or mm-hmm. for, you know, for whatever the universe provides for you is, you know, and being grateful in that way. and. Yeah. and you know, being okay with being, you know, not, uh, you know, connected with somebody that's feeding that to you yeah. is, is something that I've, you know, had a hard lesson in learning and codependency obviously has existed in my life. And, mm. and, and I think that's an easy trap for a lot of people to fall into, Yeah, you know, it's a comfort zone and, and, you know, as, as brave as, you know, some of the, you know, things I've had to face in my, or, you know, the challenges I've had and the bravery that comes with facing those in my life, you know, some of the biggest challenges for me have been to identify those aspects of my personality and how I'm dealing with, you know, identifying what's healthy with love and and what love really means, you know, which is, you know, actually liberating yourself and from codependency and, and and relying on you know thing other things to to bring you know it's a, it's almost a, a you know a a false sort of experience when it's built on you know uh, these other uh, you know things providing that sort of experience or feeling for you you know I think that you know you find love within yourself you know if you can't love yourself and be comfortable with yourself enough to get through life. And to, you know, be grateful for the things that you, you know, you do have that can somewhat get, you know, to that feeling to resonate and you're not dependent on these superficial things to inspire that. I think that is the ultimate, you know, connection with love that I've experienced so far. You know, when we're younger, and I, I, I suspect you'll agree with this, especially as males, we tend to equate sex with making love yeah we think that when we're having sex that we're loving that person and we assume they're loving us you know now as a 44 year old man who's had ample sex and ample love what would you say you've learned about the difference between sex and love in your life well i you know i i think that sex can be sex you know you can also be you know, have feelings of love for somebody. And I think having sex when you feel that way is different than having sex with somebody that you don't have that connection with. Yeah. And I think it's a a lot more, you know, pleasurable, meaningful experience when it is on that level. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, sex is primal and, Mm -hmm. and it is, you know, regardless, I think it's instinctual for people to want to have sex regardless if they connect on that level or not. Mm -hmm. And, but for me, I, I, personally would rather connect with somebody on a spiritual level before having sex with them and mm-hmm. you know and sharing a deeper level of connection because i think it makes the sexual experience a lot more special yeah you know? we used an interesting word spiritual what does the word spiritual mean to you having you know a, a connection and an energetic connection with this person mm-hmm. you know to feel 
feel like you know your souls are are resonating together mm-hmm. that you're vibrating together um and you feel that warmth in your heart mm-hmm. with that person How, what does spiritual mean to you like living a spiritual life um it's versus you know, a religious or an atheistic or an agnostic life if if those could be looked at separately from spiritual although yeah. they may or may not be but i'm curious if i'm because i know you're a spiritual person yeah. and i know that you live a spiritual life but i would love to hear what it when you when you use the term spiritual in the context of living how would you encapsulate that for somebody who's never heard that word before or that expression before what does that mean how does danny way do that well i'm not an atheist you know i don't believe in one religion or the other mm-hmm. you know i think there might be some some truth to bits and pieces of a religion and and um, you know, but I'm not a connoisseur of following that, that, you know, those, you know, ideologies or, yeah. or practices that some people do, but, you know, I do have, you know, a perception of, of a higher power in my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do believe that, you know, my higher power is love and energy and mm-hmm. warmth and light and all this stuff. And I don't necessarily, you know, look in the sky and think there's like, a Santa Claus in the sky, you know, <laughs> looking over us, you know, I, yeah. I think, uh, I think the gift of, you know, love is essentially a connection to God. Yeah. And if you can find that, you're finding, you know, our creator. So you're saying that's the spiritual life is the spiritual life for me. Yeah. Is, 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 you know, believing that that is the gift that we are given from our higher power and mm-hmm. to connect with our higher power is through that gift. We use another, magical word that often is very confusing for people god what what how would you encapsulate what god means to danny way you know god is a general term i would use for any you know sort of you know everyone's open to their own perception of what you know what that higher power is or means and to me i'm just using it as a general term but like i said to me i don't have you know a vision of you know a human sort of you know face or you know sort of character that lives in the clouds and you know that there's a heaven up in the clouds or whatever you know i think it's you know it's more deep and cosmic than that i think it's beyond our conscious reality to really understand i think there's a feeling and i I do believe that that feeling of love is you know essentially the gateway to finding where we came from when we you know and, and being in tune with that to to be able to, you know, to to connect with other vibrating people on that level, why we're on this planet. Mm-hmm. So if you if you were to just put a kind of a one sentence encapsulation that if if your if one of your kids said to you, Dad, what is God? What would you say? I would say, you know, to each and own. Really, it's you know, it's hard to say. <clears throat> We don't have a lot of answers to that question. It's more about, you know, our experiences in life that drive us to believe what we believe. And, you know, and, and my experiences have led me to have this perception. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my kid, I would explain him probably the same way I've just explained it to you and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, leave it open for them to, you know, really figure out what that means to them. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to be judgmental in a, in a, in a, a genre of you know per different people's outlooks on what god means or yeah. what our creator is or yeah. what religion is and you know i'm not biased to anyone's perceptions yeah. i just have my own you know sort of relationship relationship with a with an energetic higher power i would say you know mm-hmm. it's a feeling so i uh, i'm gonna um share something that very few people in the world actually know, which will make this real exciting. You know, I'm a licensed medical, medical man, uh, medicine man and spirit guide through the Native American Council, which means yeah. I've got a federal license to use plant medicines in healing ceremonies and have conducted hundreds of healing ceremonies. But what most people don't know is that Danny Way is the man that introduced me to plant medicines. <laughs> accidentally (laughs) indirectly yeah you you led me to the experience because of your own experience yes and that was uh, about 15 years ago yes it was and um so i spent a year training with that guy 
that you introduced me to to sure. get enough skill to have his trust to have access and get the support so I could conduct healing ceremonies and things like that. But, you know, there's a huge percentage of the population in the world that absolutely are convinced that you cannot have a, a what, what often is called a religious experience, which they mean some kind of oneness or in, in tunement with God using plant medicines. They, they, and, and, you know, I love to quote Houston Smith, uh, who is one of the most famous experts on world religion. He recently died, but he's one of my, my most dearest teachers. And he um, did a study in 1961 called Do Drugs Have Religious Import? And he proved scientifically that that bias, that, that judgment was completely wrong. And he actually did it by going to bishops and priests and leaders of churches. Have you heard about this study? No, I haven't. Oh, it's, the, it's still to this day the most re, uh, reprinted article, and I believe it's in the Journal of Philosophy, 1961. Still to this day, the most reprinted article ever uh, in that journal. And what he did is he went to religious groups that claimed that people had had, you know, unity experiences with God or what they called deeply religious experiences. And he had them, you know, he invited them into the study and said, would you write down what you experienced and what you were doing, whether it be singing in the choir or speaking tongues or doing a healing or however yeah. it came about. Then he went to psychedelic users and had them write down the experiences that they had that they thought were religious experiences or spiritual experiences or union experiences with God. Yeah. Then what he did is he took all the names off, had them typed up so that, and used a code number so that only he knew which of those people came from the religious groups without drugs and the ones with drugs. And he then took them to the church elders and the people that were absolutely dead sure you could not have these experiences. And he said, find the people in the pile that had these experiences without drugs, and they could not do it with any accuracy whatsoever. And he then showed them that what they wrote down was almost identical to the point you couldn't tell if it came by the way of mushrooms or, or chanting or toning or being in a choir or meditating on a cliff yeah. overlooking the ocean, there was no way you could tell the difference, and their experiences and the descriptions of them were almost identical. So where I'm going is, um, speaking of spirituality and God, what have you experienced using plant medicines that has somehow enhanced your appreciation of the things we've been talking about from love to God to spirituality? Well, I mean, you know, I've definitely experimented with the, you know, with uh, the derivative of ayahuasca, which is what the five MeO DMT, yeah. and mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think that was the first time that I had confirmation that you know that the that that got, that my ex religious experience, you know, or my first real awakening was with that medicine, and and I felt like I connected with God. To me, it was a fe a feminine energy. It was mm -hmm. very, very, very feminine, and and uh, and it was the most beautiful, you know, feeling and 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 sort of, you know, it, it, words can't really describe no. the the level of of emotion and feeling and 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 sort of visual, um, you know, experience that you have. You know, I mean, your eyes are, you know, my eyes were shut when I did this. So it wasn't an external vision, visual no. experience. This is an in, internal. So, um, you know, I went from, you know, f kind of scared and fearful to, you know, being, you know, and letting go to a point where I just let myself essentially die into this, into this, you know, cosmic sort of space. And, and, and what, you know, what experience from that point on was one of the most blissful, beautiful experiences I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And it also made me, you know, shed off a lot of, you know, it's the way that, you know, I, I was able to forgive myself for a lot of things that I had done in my life and, mm -hmm. and accept myself for who I am. And, and, it, and it also started to make me understand how to liberate myself from, you know, codependency or, you know, having to lo be loved by other people that, right. you know, instead of finding love within myself mm -hmm. you know and, and that reassurance of of this energy 
you know, made me feel like I, you know, essentially there is a home beyond this life. And that, you know, if that's, if that's where, you know, where, where we're, we're headed, it's a, it's a very beautiful place to go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I know there's some science behind, um, you know, the, the, the DMT that, that, that has, you know, proven that, you know, our brains have produced the same yeah, chemicals. We do. Yeah. We produce it. And actually it's all through our cells, but we produce it right in our pineal gland. Yeah. And there's thousands of plants around the world that, that hold DMT in, in yeah. as well. Um, but that, um, you know, that, that feeling of dying and still being, you know, coming back to life essentially is like a rebirth. But, yeah. You know, I feel like it's takes you, it's taken me beyond the veil and given me trust in this, you know this energy of and this feeling of love and 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 freedom of of baggage of things that i've attached myself to right you know different stories or you know trauma experiences and and essentially you know it was is a, a full you know the experience the first time i did it was the ultimate liberation of of acknowledgement of all of these things that i was essentially being held back by you know they yeah. were toxic to me you know a lot of people would would listen to this and there's probably a lot of people that are listening to us right now meaning in the re when the recording comes out yeah and right away you know in their head they're going to be saying oh well that was just the drug doing that so what would you say to someone that thinks that that your experience of that depth of love or that energy that we call god was just the product of a chemical versus an authentic experience. Well, I think social conditioning creates a, a jail around your ability <laughs> it to. Sure does. Yeah, uh, you know, to be able to you know experience what we have to to survive in society every day, and you know we're conditioned to live inside that prison. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I think some of these vehicles, these plant medicines, have the ability to unlock some of those. The, those jail cells and let our brain actually, you know, experience what it's capable of. Um, you know, these experiences aren't made up. I mean, these, these are, these are real experiences, you know, that are happening inside your brain with a chemical that your brain already produces. Yes. And metabolizes, you know, Im very, very immediately. Fast. Yeah. Um, there's no toxicity essentially to your body. And nope. Um, there's no harm to your physical well-being. It's a unless you're doing it unskillfully. Unskillfully, yeah. Um, but for the most part, I would disagree with. You know, I think out of any of the plant medicines, yeah, you know, the ayahuasca, obviously, or the five meo DMT is mm -hmm. um, one of the most. You know, um, I think you know, gift one of the biggest gifts that we've been left on this planet, yeah. you know, and I think it's a vehicle that's supposed to be here. It wouldn't be so abundant and it also wouldn't be something that our body's already producing. And we're already living, you know, a life of mild DMT doses all the time. Right. You know, and, and I, th I know, you know that right now there's like a worldwide craze for ayahuasca mushrooms, DMT. And, and I, I think there's some benefits to that. I think the, the plants, the consciousness of, of mother earth is reaching into us to open us up. But as a guy who works with people that have been injured by these experiences from all over the world, they come to me, you know, with uh, multiple personality disorder, bipolar disorder, all these things that they never had before when they went off into the jungle and had their brain blown uh, by overdosing or, you know, young people getting a bunch of LSD and doing that all day. Then the next day they're doing DMT. The next day they're drinking ayahuasca. And the next thing you know, they have no job. They have no life. Their relationships fall apart. So what words of wisdom would you share for somebody who maybe wants to explore this, uh, maybe has friends that are buying it off the black market or uh, wants to know how to do it right? What, what, what do you think in Danny way gave him the ability to have that deep union experience right out of the gate where so many other people handed the same medicine could have a very, very fearful uh, experience that might lead to real lifetime problems. Well, I think, you know, obviously th these aren't party drugs, you know, per se. They're not. These are medicines. These yeah. are plant medicines. These vehicles are very profound. I think they are connected to the earth for a reason. And I think they're, 
meant to connect us to, you know, a more, you know, a higher power or, you know, to open our minds in, an, in a way that give us the ability to see beyond the, you know, the, the social prison that we've been conditioned in. Yeah. Um, and I would say that, you know, being, you know, with, you know, having an experienced guide, somebody that has, you know, been well, well experienced and educated in, in these lanes uh, that, that are doing it in a non-abusive party type environment. Yeah. And, and, you know, looking for using it as a medicine, you know, not, uh, you know, not abusing it as, as a, as a party tool, you know? Right. Yeah. So a, a sacred, a, a sacra, a sacramental experience or a ceremonial experience where it's about worship, not about how c- badly can we fuck yeah. ourselves up and detach ourselves from the reality of the world. Yeah, I mean, overuse of anything, you know, in an abundance of this, you know, you know, we have to live in this world. So, you know, we do need to be back in our social, you know, conditioned minds to get yeah. through life every day without getting locked up in an insane asylum. Yeah. So, you know, uh, these, you know, taking the shackles off once a, once in a while is a great thing. It is. But it's not something to be abused at any level. If yeah. anything, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's. It's like, you know, if you're, you know, when, you know, when, you know, there's times where you need, you need, you know, uh, a little bit of a, a shift in your consciousness, yeah. you know, because of whatever reason, pattern you know, break, accumulation of baggage patterns that we get into that are yeah. unhealthy, whatever. It's the ultimate reset. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a liberating reset and, yeah. and it takes a lot of, you know, it, it it regrounds you, resets your nerve. You know, it, it, for me, it's you know reset my nervous system, my perceptions, you give me better outlooks on things, and um, and you know, and it also makes me reappreciate life in a way that you know sometimes it's hard to do with all the stress that we pick up on every day, and yeah, you know how many you know negative interactions we have constantly. Um, it's you know I I think it's it's you know it's a uh, it's it's a it's a sort of freedom that i have a hard time finding in any other sort of conventional way yeah <clears throat> well good i'm 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 excited to be able to share that with you cuz i know a lot of young people uh really respect you and look up to you and and i think it's important for them to hear from people that these aren't party drugs and they're not things to mess with but they are things that can be deeply healing when done in with healing intention and absolutely so my next question for you is number two in my system is the balance of the masculine principle the fire principle outward going energy doing yang by definition divides power yeah. so the sun sends its power in every direction and it's burning its core down so there's shelf life to a star like that because it's burning down so it's yanging full time yeah. Yin multiplies power. When you go to sleep at night, you wake up with more power than when you got yeah. to bed because you've gone into yin where you're shutting all the systems off and going into complete states of unconsciousness. But when when you wake up in the morning, you start doing this. You're thinking, I got to do this, I got to schedule, I I got to get this done, I yeah. got to get the kids to school. So that's all yang training for your athletic events whatever. If you look back on your life now as a a wiser 44 year old man i mean i've watched you for 25 years so i certainly could answer these from my own perspectives but what would you say is the great lesson that you've learned about how to manage fire yang um well you know that's a i mean you know masculinity is is it's very you know it's, it's very detrimental as you if if it's if if it's overpowering your you know your personality you know i think it's it, it definitely becomes a hybrid of understanding how important feminine energy is mm-hmm. and uh and and finding that that balance in 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 between both the the yin and the yang but yeah. you know it's it's uh when i was younger i was a lot more masculine you know as far as just being like all gung-ho guy mentality (laughs) everything was just had to be edgy or risky or whatever but you know i i i enjoy um you know spending time with you know not just for superficial reasons but i like being around 
you know, feminine energy. I like being around women. I, you know, I, I think it's very healthy to have a, a good, you know, network of females relationships in your life mm-hmm. um, that aren't necessarily sexually, you know, um, driven, driven. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I've, you know, gone to the extreme to say one day I have to change this. It's been an evolution from my teenage years till now that I've gotten really comfortable not hanging out with a bunch of guys all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I sometimes rather hang out with just girls, yeah. not first, you know, not because I'm trying to get intimate with them, yeah. but, for, but it's, 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 it's a comfortable energy and it, and it, it grounds me. It balances. Yeah. I have so much masculinity in me yeah. that I need that, that energy influence and I need that to rub off on me a bit. Yeah. And I need to come down to that level sometimes. It, it, I'm the same way. I, I, yeah. you know, to me, it's like putting a tail on a kite. Yeah. You get too much masculine energy and you're just like a kite without a tail flying radically in the sky, trying to go everywhere at the same time. Yes. And it's, it can be out of control and unproductive. Um, and I used to do demonstrations for my students where I would say, okay, like I might go up to 500 pounds for, you know, a heavy, heavy deadlift and, and say, okay, watch this. Normally I can get four reps with this. Two of you males come stand right next to me, and I would be barely able to get two. Then I would say, okay, two females come stand next to me, and I might get five reps. And this might be my sixth set, right? Yeah. And I would show them that just having a woman present next to me on a max lift, just by their energy field overlapping and immersing with mine, had a stabilizing effect that actually showed up objectively. Then I would have them do tests. And they could find out, for example, women might find that if a man stood next to them, they got weaker, which usually meant that they were already too bled out, that they needed more feminine energy themselves. And sometimes then they would have a woman stand next to them, they would get stronger. And men who were too, shall we say, unexpressive, mama's boy types that hadn't really gone out and done anything with their life, they would have a guy stand next to them and get stronger. And so... You know these energies are are very very real in our lives, and um, so you know, for example, when you go to the gym, are you more tuned to what your body is telling you, or are you still go in and you're going to make it happen in the gym based on what you think you should be doing in there, even if it hurts? Uh, as far as hurt goes i usually try and you know my obviously my form and posture is everything which obviously you taught me at a young age you yeah. know so i you know i work out consistently enough i don't have to go back down to the lightweights that i probably started with in the original phase of learning the techniques to a lot of the exercises you've taught me over the years but um you know i and i accumulate injury all the time so i have to work around my injury yeah but most of my indication of of what I should not be doing is inflammation and pain, and coming I know, from your body. yeah, coming from my body. You know, the warning signs for me is if I'm if I'm getting more inflammation and the pain. There's a you know there's a certain level of pain that I I think that's tolerable, that's healthy to challenge. Yeah, because that's how you get stronger. Yeah, but there's the you know I think that it's it's you can identify when you're hurting yourself. It's a little different kind of pain. I call that kind of pain functional pain. Yeah. It's the pain you got to work through to grow. Yeah. And then there's also the motivational part. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I when you know, to stay on a rhythm, I'll pick myself up out of the worst, you know, I'll be so not in the mood to work out sometimes. And, and by just forcing myself to go in the gym and after about 10, 15 minutes of working out, all of a sudden I'm in the zone Yeah, and I'm not even thinking about it anymore. And then I get done and, you know, I'm all ramped up on endorphins and, and feel like, you know, accomplished that I mm-hmm. actually, you know, it's, it's really gratifying to walk away from the gym when, when you went in there unmotivated and you, you know, spend, you know, an hour and a half or two hours in there and walk out and, you know, you actually accomplished what you knew, you know, for me, it's like, I know I need to stay on a rhythm. Right? Yeah. Whether I need, whether I want to or not, mm-hmm. you know, I might not be in the mood, yeah. but I know that that's what I need to do to be able to survive what I'm doing for a, my livelihood. Yeah. So with the principle of yin, then the energy of emptiness, coolness, 
anabolic healing growth energy um the energy of expansion a woman swells from the inside when she's pregnant so yin multiplies how would you say that your application of yin has improved how do you express it in your life other than being with women and things like that if if i was to have filmed you 20 years ago and followed you around with a camera and then followed you around today and i knew exactly what yin and yang behavior was what are some of the ways that today you engage yin in order to be a better lover a better father a better teacher a better uh, athlete how do you apply because you know a lot of guys think anything feminine is pussy you you know you're you're a wimp doing that and they they the concept of being more feminine to them is so radically foreign. Like you talk to a, yeah. a kickboxer or a football player, they're like, get the hell out of here with that kind of shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, having compassion, being vulnerable, um, you know, humble, those are all, all things that, you know, I've learned over the years that have got me to a place of, you know, staying more out of the Yang zone mm-hmm. and being more connected with that kind of, you know, calmness of the feminine 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 yeah but that you know that those 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 are the you know the catalysts to me to being you know it's 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 taking a step back and 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 being you know calm and humble and not reacting instead of being you know reactive you know be proactive and yeah you know it's 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 yeah i mean i i think i've learned you know how to my disposition has been you know honed over the years yeah to be able to kind of balance out you know how much of that energy i'm taking in from the yang yeah and and how how much i you know i'm balancing it out with the yin yeah and just my disposition only you know how do you think it how do you think uh yin applies to an extreme sport like skateboard like if you were to analyze the sport and I was putting you to the task of saying, where would more yin energy apply? How how might you apply that to young skateboards, uh, s- potential skateboard stars coming up and say as a teacher or a mentor, here's where we need less yang and more yin. Where might you apply that? Um, well, I mean, there's, you know, there's uh, the kind of like, you know, fuck it mentality, I guess, and, and balls of the wall and, 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 you know, uh, you know, just, you know, if it's ego or whatever, it's driving you, the yang pushing you to a limit where you're actually taking uncalculated risks yeah, based on, you know, the, the idea of, uh, you know, I need to be a badass and I'm yeah. tough and I can do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a, there's a, a process to, to accomplishing something risky. Mm-hmm. And it isn't being, you know, uh, you know, uh, crazy and, and doing things on a whim, but it is being, you know, um, somewhat humble, you know, focused, reserved, calm, um, and, and, and forgiving as well. I mean, if you make mistakes, you gotta, you know, it's not like he, I used to get a lot more upset when I was younger, when I'd fail, mm-hmm. you know, and now it, it, it's the energy that that takes out of me. Yeah. I don't have enough of that to give, you know? I know you've done some uh, uh, car racing, truck racing for a while there. You were yeah. uh, doing a fair bit of racing. I think one real easy place to see when someone has too much yang is when they're racing a car or, or you know, a machine, a truck, yeah. a car, any, you know, a fast anything, sure. motorcycle. It's uh, finesse, man. It's a mess, right? It's a mess and it takes finesse. And, and it's dangerous mess, yeah. right? And it's expensive mess. So, you know, yin going through corners, yin going through heavy bumps, yin going through almost anything doesn't seem to do anything but enhance your survivability and your performance, right? Yeah. And then yeah. It, it, it's, it, it yeah, takes it's, a lifetime uh, of perfecting that ability to weave those two energies together, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about getting comfortable walking on the edge of the the cliff you know it takes a sort of calmness to be able to do that yeah you know if you're high strung and you know you know had and and you know walk the edge you know with just a bunch of angst energy 
and weren't methodic about it, mm-hmm. you know, you would, you might slip and fall. But what I think, you know, is it's, it becomes a, a hybrid of being, you know, almost like meditation meets extreme, you know, danger. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's the happy medium between both of them yeah. that give you the ability to focus despite the risk. And that calmness of being able to not make a glitch in that middle of that focus. Which minimizes the risk. Well, the glitch is what usually will hurt you or kill you. Yeah. You know, if you break that, if you have a glitch of, of focus in that time, in that space, and it is not, you know, Buddha, Buddha like uh, focus. I mean, I, I'm talking like, <laughs> you know, time stands still in this space. Yes. It literally does. Yeah. You know, and there's somebody that I read, you know, there's a book on it. You know, and it talks about something called the flow state. Yeah. Um, and it, it is, you know, there was a study done. It says that, you know, this form of, you know, risk taking and the calculation at that level is, is some of the most highest form of meditation that's been documented. Yeah. Was it Stealing Fire? Um, the it's Stealing The Rise Fire? of Superman. Oh, Rise The Rise of, of Superman. It's the same guy that wrote yeah. the book Stealing Fire. Yeah. Um, so it's a really yeah. good book, but it, it does break, you know, he did his homework in it and it makes a lot of sense, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, in that space, you know, you can slow down time, you know, and, it, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's silent, you know, you, people always ask me when I'm skating, like, you know, you want to listen to music, you want me to turn the music up, whatever, you know, it's cool when I'm standing there in between, you know, in taking runs on the ramp or whatever, but like once I, you know, make, once I drop into this, you know, or commit to what I'm doing, it goes silent. Yeah. And, and literally, you know, in the air, time stands still. And yeah. there's a million little steps of things happening yeah. that take, you know, in real time, within a second, you've done like 50 different little sequences of yeah. things that, yeah. you know, that you actually do analyze as you're doing them. Yeah. But it happens so fast. You couldn't do it if you weren't in that state. Yeah, it's like time does need to slow down. And, and, yeah. and the amount of focus you have, like I said, you know, your ears aren't tuned in anything. Yeah. You know, you can almost do it blindfolded. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, I think that calmness of, of being able to, you know, find that happy medium of being over masculine, you know, and, 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 and too much of a daredevil mm-hmm. will kill you, you know, and, and it is finding that balance between the energies of being calm and 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 you know mellow and 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 having you know forgiveness for your for your mistakes and not carrying that energy into every try that you or every run that you take when you're when you're out doing what you do yeah because that's usually when i get hurt yeah well um you know our culture and it's a bit of a worldwide ph- phenomenon right now, seems to be caught in the notion that happiness is only happening when things are going exactly how you want them to go. Yeah. Uh, how would you define what is happiness in Danny Way's life, and what does it mean to you? When you say, when you use the word happiness as it relates to your own inner philosophy, does it include pain? Does it include sorrow? Does it include hard times? Or is it only something that happens when, uh, you know, things are going a way that you want them to go? I mean, I find happiness in, in many different things here and there, you know, life is always going to be a balance of, you know, the yin and the yang of, you know, uh, the good and the bad or, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the successes and failures. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm conditioned to accept that life is not always going to be what people would be, you know, cliche call happiness. Yeah. You know, I think I, you know, you have to step back sometimes in the challenging times and look at what you really have and, mm-hmm. and, and recognize that, you know, there's, there's more to life than, you know, owning companies and making money and, yeah. and, and, you know, having sex and all these different things yeah um that you know people use to pacify whatever happiness it means to them you know right but for me you or know they use it to equate to yeah. happiness right and you know to be to be honest you know I, I you know i'm always dealing with challenges and i think most people do in life and you know it's it's how much you let those challenges obviously infect you yeah you know that really can disturb what happiness 
you know, is really living inside you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have a family and, 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 you know, the, the things that I've been able to, you know, to teach my kids through experience, you know, you know, to, 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 to have created, you know, kids, children, to have something called a family, um, that unconditional, you know, support and love from people around me. Um, you know, I'm pretty content and happy that I have achieved that in life. It's mm-hmm. not so much the monetary success, um, at all really. Um, and, or my, you know, accolades for physical accomplishments, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, what sees me happy is my kids growing up to be good human beings yeah. and, and bringing something positive to the world mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, having the opportunity to experience life in general. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, what's your, uh, Zen lesson on what you've learned about diet and how it relates to having a healthy body, achieving athletic success, and living well. Well, do you I think mean, there's the right diet, or <laughs> I mean, I'm which da- one is it? <laughs> I mean, I'm I, I'm not like a rock, you know. I don't get into you know such detail of you know balancing each food group when I when I eat or whatever. But you know, I mean, I I eat you know, as much organic food as I can. I mean, sometimes, you know, like I said, traveling or whatever, there's sometimes you just can't, you know, you can't win that one. Yeah. But, you know, if I'm going, if I'm at home, I'm grocery shopping, whatever, you know, I don't, I haven't eaten gluten in 15 years or something, no dairy. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't eat beef. I don't eat pork. I eat white meat, mm-hmm. fish, uh, and uh, very, you know, very little grains and starches mm-hmm. no bread uh and i and i i don't drink soda i don't eat fast food i don't eat candy really you know i had a little piece of chocolate earlier but that was raw dark chocolate that's, so that's it's not, food man that's exotic food that was an exotic piece of chocolate for sure but you know typically you know when i was a kid i would you know eat fast food you know go to the 7-eleven and buy a bunch of candy and all that you know yeah. eat t- tons of that stuff but as I got old, you know, older, I started to figure out that, you know, the diet was actually a crucial factor in healing. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, part of my, you know, longevity of, you know, sustaining somewhat of a comfortable life in, in my older age is going to depend on me starting, you know, to implement that at the age that I started to understand that, that health was a major catalyst to, you know, not just the, the physical therapy and rehabs and stuff. But if I didn't implement the other side of it, I wouldn't have the ingredients inside my body to repair all the damaged parts. Yeah. Uh, and so I've been, you know, luckily, you know, I, 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 I was around some people, that, you know, in my, in my, you know, up at, right, I was already starting to eat pretty healthy when I first met you, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd already kind of been around a few, vegetarian vegan guys that kind of taught me a bit about organic food and didn't eat meat so i started cutting back on certain things and good tried to be a vegetarian for a second and then i started implementing just like chicken and turkey and fish again but for the most part you know i eat you know a lot of greens and uh, a lot of you know a lot of healthy protein good meat you know Mm -hmm. organic meat if possible yeah um and uh you know i try and stay away from most grains except for sometimes i'll do some brown rice or you know if i have if if they have if i cook pasta to be gluten-free pasta with brown rice flour or quinoa or some stuff like that are you uh able to through just listening and paying attention to what your body's telling you tell when you need more or less meat or more or less plant-based foods by how do you how do you pick that up inside I feel like I, I I think I have a craving for certain things when I need it. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a lot of protein the other day, and I felt like I needed like like some fruit or some some something. You know, or I needed some fiber of yeah some you know some something of some sort. And yeah, I came home and I was like, you know, I mixed it with some like chia, uh, almond, peanut butter. I don't know one of those butters that have everything, flax seeds in it. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. But I cut up an apple and ate that, and like it was like I was craving the sh- the sugar in the apple. I think yeah. I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, carbs, and, and then the fat in the in the peanut butter, you yeah. know. So um, I had had like a lean protein, 
um, you know, day and I didn't have access to a bunch of food that day. But when I got home, I felt like that like stabilized me instantly. Mm, good. You know, I had other foods to choose from, but I went right to that. And so you're following your instincts as well. Yeah. I figured following my instincts for the most part, you know, and you know, uh, I'm sure you're aware of this, but one of the side effects of a lot of medical drugs is people cannot feel their instincts anymore. They just go kind of numb inside. Yeah. So they end up just eating in, in patterns, and they eat the same stuff whether it's working for them or not. So I was just curious, you know, yeah. as your own experience, I've developed a lot of technologies for that, but those technologies came after I finished my work with you and so you've kind of figured this out on your own. I mean, I've had some digestive problems over the years, and that's when I started removing stuff like dairy and gluten. Yeah. And, you know, that's definitely changed a lot for it, helped me a lot. Um, yeah. It's been so long now, you know, it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. But over, you know, the course of 15 years or so of dealing with this now, um, I've had, you know, a definitely a, a noticeable change in my digestive patterns. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, feel, feel a lot healthier internally. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, you know, by default, I'll, you know, whatever, have something, you know, that accidentally had dairy in it or something right. I didn't know. And, and you'll react to it immediately. Yeah, you know, like too. I'm, de- I'm, I'm, I'm not capable of digesting lactose and, and gluten from not having it. You know, I think I've, I've, you know, I, was tolerating at one point. I don't think my system really liked it then, but yeah. not having it for so long now, it's like shocking to my system. Yeah. Well, you know, when you take time away, you build uh, immunity and strength. But if you expose yourself to something your body doesn't like, so you have an intolerance to, eventually the immune system becomes exhausted. It's like think of when a person starts smoking cigarettes. Nobody can smoke a cigarette without coughing and gagging. Yeah. But if you keep doing it long enough, you suppress that. Yeah. And the body actually stops fighting it. And so the body allows you to keep doing it because it it has sure. to say, well, look, if I keep fighting these cigarettes, I might not police these cancer cells. So typically there's a repression in the body. And then further down the line, all of a sudden the body will make a surge back at it. But sure. by then people are addicted and, and, and conditioned. So they keep going. And then that's when hell breaks loose. What, uh, what, what would you say your relationship is? My, you know, Dr. Quiet in my system means rest. Yeah. And, you know, active rest, which is doing what you love to do at a very reduced intensity so you don't uh, detract from the days you're supposed to really put out. Passive rest, uh, active, excuse, I said active rest. Passive rest is doing something other than your chosen activity. So, for example, um, if you were a skateboard athlete, passive rest might be going and, uh, surfing in the ocean or swimming or uh, something like that that's active yeah. but it doesn't use the same muscle patterns and the same stressors so you could come out of say a swimming pool and then go back and do your activity and not feel drained by it so that would be passive rest and then total rest is sleep um, and then introspection right we spend so much time dealing with everything outside of ourselves it's like the world is outside of us but we get, as you, I'm sure, know, you get to a certain point where you have to spend time inside of yourself, or at least for me, it feels like I'm I'm dying. I'm not really living anymore. It's almost as though I'm so engaged in giving everything to everyone else, I'm losing yeah. touch with who the giver is. Uh, how would you say that? Well, first of all, how important would you say uh, a good relationship is with uh, a doctor quiet or rest is for athletic success and general health? And what are some things that you've learned along the way about? the importance of rest and going inside. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, you know, when I, when I lay down to rest, I usually go inside. So there's a little period before I fall asleep where I usually start to analyze everything that's going on internally inside me and, you know, and reflecting on all my experiences that I'm having. And so there's a little period usually before sleep that I, I kind of, you know, check in with myself and analyze everything and it can be kind of dangerous to do that sometimes too because you can get fixated on things that keep you awake yeah wake up a dragon yeah um you know physically i you know i my you know i i I feel i have a you know i make music i have a music studio at my Mm -hmm. house and uh the you know the sort of creativity within the music reminds me a lot of what stimulates my brain when i skateboard Mm without the physical, without the risk, you know? So I'm getting, 
similar st- stimulation of creativity I'm channeling into a zone that, you know, kind of filters out everything around me. You know, I get locked into this, into this sort of zone of meditation in that state as well. Mm-hmm. And it feels a lot like when I'm, you know, when I'm in the, in that state, when I'm skateboarding, but it's nice to sometimes have that similar outlet without the risk of being injured. And, yeah. and I can do that and, and get that sort of creative aspect of my personality out of my you know system and, and kind of tune down my need for that. And, you know, I'm obviously a lot calmer and it's a lot easier to rest post having a session in the studio than, you know, some, you know, the, the working out, you know, it's, for me, it's essential to have sleep for recovery, you know, to heal my body. And, 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 you know, I don't like necessarily, you know, running myself into the ground with no sleep and training and and skateboarding. It's like, there is a, you know, there is a bit of a, you know, an art to managing how you apply, um, you know, what energy you've recharged yourself with, Yeah. you know, and distributing that into all the things that you're challenged with every day or you create for yourself to be challenged by. Yeah. Or you just burn out. Yeah. You just burn out, you know, if it's business or, you know, you go in the gym, you're not completely, you know, giving everything you got and you're not getting the results because you're not, sleeping or yeah. whatever it is i mean it all it all kind of works in balance really yeah you know? it's amazing to me you know today how many even young strong athletes that look good in the mirror have uh problems with their sexual performance i've had 18 and 19 year old athletes contacting me to ask how to get off of viagra and i'm i'm sure you've probably noticed that our our youth is uh they're uh they're not eating well they're not resting well they live on social media cell phones it's like they they they've really lost touch with the kinds of things that we're talking about and they kind of spend themselves before they get a chance to make themselves uh, yeah they're disconnected from yeah. you know the, the real world yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this digital era is you know this technology level is you know, it's 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 a very interesting time, and we're yet to see the re- end results of how that's going to play out. But, yeah, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, uh, what happens to the kids that. I mean, I have kids that are engaged in, you know, that in those sort of, you know, um, mediums. Yeah, and and the results that you know, I've I've witnessed results of it with my own children so far. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things that that they're missing out on that, you know, when we were kids, we would have to, you know, be aware of or be engaged in or be tuned into. Yeah. Um, But it's, you can completely check out from the whole planet with an iPhone. You sure can. Yeah. And And, people do it all day long. (laughs) People do it all day long. And, and then, you know, and they spend most of their time worrying about what everyone else is doing except themselves. Yeah. Or they're looking for some sort of, you know, applause from something that they're posting up so they yeah. can get recognition yeah know? exactly so and if it's it doesn't like, come then they're defeated yeah so listen um you know i have no intention of this being our last podcast together you know i'm uh yeah you're, you're one of the most interesting people out there so i want to be able to reel you in and, and look into oh. you know there's lots we could talk <laughs> about but uh you know you do have a a, a very very dangerous career and you know i have two more questions for you one is what what do you how do you deal with the reality of death inside of yourself if what what's your relationship with death if should it come how how do you what do you feel about that i've already accepted that it's possible i could kill myself doing what i do but I'm living, I'm feeling like I'm alive. So, yeah. you know, if there's one thing I can say is I've lived a lot of life already. Yes, you, you know, have. I've been awake, you know, living on that, on the edge, you know, quite for some, for quite some time. And I've experienced adrenaline and, and highs of, of endorphins and things like that, that most people will never get a chance to experience. So, yeah. you know, I, if I, preferably I would like, you know, if I were to have to die, I would like to have, it happened on my skateboard doing something 
you know, you love to do. that I love to do. Uh, I prefer to that to happen than to grow old and have a disease slowly kill me. You know exactly. I, what I mean though is, what is your perception of what happens at death? Do you think it's screened to black or? No, I think it's screened to to DMT world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a quite an intense experience that's behind the curtain yeah you know uh, i found it to be far more alive than this i actually have come back from many such experiences feeling like when i look at the people in the world i go they're they're somnem ambulance they're sleepwalkers you know and you realize that you know and i i don't want to go into my own experiences here because this is really me talking to you but i've had many experiences of being on the other side and even having my heart completely stop and realizing that we're actually in, the, in, in a much more shadowy realm and that our body is not by any means the, the totality of who we are. Danny yeah. Way is inside of his body looking at me through his eyes, but it's yeah. not w- w- to connect to Danny Way, I got to get past his skin, past yeah. his bones. Absolutely. And so. I was just curious on, you know, because a lot of people are scared to hell of death. You know, the two most uh, greatest fears people have is death and public speaking. And, um, you know, I live, not not that I'm in a hurry, because now that I have a little boy, I want to, you know, share lots with him. But, I mean, I I often find the, the earth with a guy with my life experience and having lived a life similar to you, you of going full yeah. bore and doing everything to its deepest and yes. not, not letting fear be my, my limiting, uh, you know, measure overcoming it and working through it. Uh, so for me, the earth has, at, at times it's a bit flat. It's almost like I'm in a kindergarten for souls and I watch people doing the same silly shit over and over again, even though they walk around complaining about it to everybody. And I, I personally have this sense of excitement, like it's, I, I can't wait to cross over and, and dance with Rumi. And, I'm and, curious, and, yeah. You know, pass the peace pipe with Osho and, <laughs> and, and many others. And so it, it, I just was curious on how you felt about that, because I know that you've threaded the eye of that needle a number of times, a many number of yeah, times. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I would have to say that, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with that, you know, and, and, and some of the medicine work has been a big part of that. Yeah. And then also having gratitude for all the experience I've had, you know, I mean, yeah. I've had a life, you know, I've had more than most people's lifetimes of, of experience at half of most people's life expectancy. Yeah. So it, for me, I'm, you know, I'm like, you know, what, 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 you know, other than seeing, you know, my kids grow up to be good people and, and hopefully, you know, bring something positive and, and give something back to the world that's, that's beneficial. Like to me, that's yeah. the, I want, I would love to see that blossom. Yeah. But other than that, being here for that, you know, I would have to say that, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with death at this point in my life. I'm not yeah. looking for it, but if it presents itself, um, hopefully it, it does present itself in a way that is quick and, 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 you know, peaceful, peaceful. And I I could say that, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not ungrateful for what I've been given already. I think I've been given a lot for, for how little time, you know, most people have to spend to even get a, a a 1% of the experience, you know, you've already jumped one great wall. So this will just be (laughs) the next one. Yeah. This will be the the great fall. (laughs) The great wall to the great fall. Yeah. Well, my last question, you know, look, if, uh, if we were to say, Danny, we're going to broadcast what you're about to say to every single human being in the world, what would you have for humanity in general right now as a message that you think is just something that is important for everybody to be aware of? Um, you know, get out of your mind and, and you know, you know, life, life isn't necessarily you know supposed to be always you know whatever people consider perfect or great you know and that part of life you know part of part of part of life is 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 gaining wisdom and experience and all those experiences was what creates character and 
and and you know and be at, at some point you know that can give you the ability to be a good mentor but you know it's the, the compassion for other people you know uh having good intention integrity loyalty you know all these things that represent you know a quality human being to me is important and you know sharing that with other people so it becomes infectious yeah um and and you know being grateful to be here so what i'm hearing you say is engage the highs and the lows yeah with equal commitment to life yeah and you know and and if you operate within those you know character qualities of you know being generous having compassion being loving caring you know having integrity loyalty being trustworthy all those things you know i think you know if you operate within those boundaries of you know uh you know character boundaries and then i think a lot of good things will present themselves in your life I think. yeah you know hearing the qualities you just mentioned reminds me of someone who i have a beautiful sculpture of right over there and i've always said if there's one person that should be leading not only our nation but the world it's the dalai lama what do you think of that i think the dalai lama is a very important piece of the puzzle for sure yeah yeah i i really think he's the embodiment of what people call christ but don't realize that christ is here in a tibetan man to show us what it looks like to love that way yeah and uh i really uh i'm excited that uh, i got to share this time with you and thanks for uh sharing some of the deeper parts of yourself and yeah man and you know and uh Pray to the Dalai Lama real quick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed uh, all the time I get to spend with you, Paul. So thanks for having me on the podcast. And yeah, I look forward to talking more here, hopefully in the future about some other topics. And Yeah. And, and I'm excited to, you know, as you unwind some of your new business ventures, they'd be great topics to discuss as well. We'll keep that in the bag now, but you got, you're working on some very neat things that could be great healing and great opportunities. and. Yeah, some of the projects we're we're talking about with uh, all sorts of neat stuff. We'll be doing more and talking more. So this is our warm up. So I love you, buddy. Thanks yeah, for sharing with love me. you everybody. too, man. And thanks for giving back so much to everybody here. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the one, the only, the truly amazing Danny Way. Paul, check. Go see Waiting for Lightning. It'll blow your socks off. Lots <laughs> Thank of love, you, man. Thanks for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Danny Way. You can find Danny on Instagram at Danny Way, and Paul recommends the documentary about Danny's life, Waiting for Lightning, which is available on Amazon. Follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at Living 4D Podcast or on YouTube. Search for Living 4D with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at www.paulchecksblog.com. That's P-A-U-L-C-H-E-K-S-B-L-O-G dot com. And also the Czech Institute's blog at www.checkinstitute.com forward slash blog. <laughs>